Hey everyone, welcome to the Sons of Thunder podcast. This week we have Joel Downs as a guest, and we are going to cover the topics of true, genuine friendships, and also touch on greatness and how the witness of the saints can help us achieve greatness in our own lives. Enjoy. Just a young gun with the quick views. I was uptight, wanna let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and wanna leave my own life behind. Not a yes, sir. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sons of Thunder. We have Jacob here. And John. It's just the two of us today. We got a guest though. He's a five-time Olympic champion in nerd sports. Various what is it? Ping pong, fantasy, fantasy football, fantasy football <laughs> ping pong, and water polo. Is that right? No. Oh, okay. Underwater. So you rosary praying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Joel here. Tell tell us about yourself, Joel. Um, I went to school the same school as these guys here. His name's um, Joel Downs, by the way. <laughs> was a missionary for two years. Was in the seminary for a couple years. Oh. And um. Now I'm just living life. Started my own business. It's really small, not not that impressive at all. Uh, and I love working out, staying in shape, and so naturally connect with Jacob and John here. For sure, for sure. Kind of the opposite, though. We were <laughs> enemies to begin with, weren't we? Right. Where did we Somehow. first meet? Was it formation? Or like uh, before that? Maybe tips. <laughs> tips <laughs> Thursday night. Yeah. Just both ran into each other. Yeah, yeah. I think we should be friends. I think that's Joel right, was evangelizing first... you. I think that's what no, yeah, yeah, you were hammered. No. <laughs> just straight out of room 405. Shout out to Peer Ministry. Things are going great this year. A little switch up, so I'm a peer minister at the University of St. Thomas. If you go there, say hello. Life is good. Jake, how are things over in SPO? Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> There's always someone in the house, like some guest. It's good though. Quant, he was a guest on our podcast a few months ago. Oh, yeah. He wanted to be on this one today. Yeah, he said no. We'll we'll get him back, but he's a he's a lively character, so it's <laughs> good. You know, you guys have a TV now. Yes, we have a TV. Wow, that's so weird. I don't like that. When was well, the TV invented? Sixties. Maybe forties. Forties and twenties. Fifties. Something like that. <laughs> Just finally up to date. New he talked to Doctor Burry. Flames it on the. Degradation of man. Degradation. Yeah. You mean the TV? Television, yeah. He hates television. So TV is taking away our balls, huh? I guess so. Yeah, well, we got to other things. <laughs> well, yeah, we can get, even get into that right now. I mean, we're only almost two minutes into banter, but... What do you think, Joel? Let's well, kill well first of all, today. I think I remember as a kid, my one of my best friends as a kid, the first time I met him, we literally were fighting. And then we became best friends. <laughs> so funny how that playground happened. or no, it was at his house and pool. And I forget what happened. We just made each other really angry. And we're, like, we're, we're gonna wrestle. We're gonna <laughs> wrestle. And then we'd be, we're like best friends for all all of like childhood. Wow. And so now I don't talk to him anymore. So wow, you had another fight with what him, happened? or what's the deal? Wrestle off in the mud. Yeah, you know, we just kind of fell away. He went one direction, I went the other direction. I get that game. Yeah, it's been really frustrating me lately. It's just like lack of, I don't know, friends coming through, especially in hard times. So, 
Friends come and go, but the good ones stay. Yeah, what is that saying? Silver, gold? Something about that. I don't know that saying. I think think a lot of times people with friendships are kind of like, um, when it serves them, they're super enthusiastic about it. And if you're fun to party with, especially. As soon as you're going through something and you're not offering something to them, or maybe you're a burden to them a little bit, um, all of a sudden it's like, they're nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people, they don't require, you know, you know, you know, you have a good friendship with them because you don't require that, um, and you're there for them even if it like sucks for you or you know, there's nothing in it for you. I think that's mm-hmm. true. Friendship is is um, is like that. At least I mean, I have a couple buddies that, um, you know, we could easily not be friends, but we've chosen it and. When they're going through stuff, I just listen to them and talk to them. And, but they've been there for me as well, and I know it hasn't been easy for them at times. And I think that's something that's rare today. A lot of people, they have their, their friends that are fun to be around, so they hang around them. But as soon as the shit hits the fan in real life, somebody's yeah. going to be there for you. Who would you say then, like for our listeners, for us even, like, you know, who might not have those type of friends how how do you develop those friendships Joel I'll tell you right now just that's a good question working at a bar you get to see firsthand like what you just described Joel it's like I don't know it's so cool observing human nature in its most like base form people come and go everyone gets pissed like waiting outside for rides or people going home with different people that they didn't want to or they stole right out of someone's hands. It's just like, well, this is really sad. You get to see people change their heart's desires in that moment and then switch back, flip-flop, flip-flop, <laughs> yeah. the office. You know what I'm talking about? The vasectomy thing? Snip, snap, snip, snap. Oh, snap, yeah, snap. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like a <clears throat> spiritual vasectomy. Bars are. You no, know, they can be, if, depending on where you're at. Um, so you're saying you can or cannot find <clears throat> true friendship at a bar? Oh, I don't think you can find... <clears throat> I think you can find people who, whom you would relate really well to, maybe develop a friendship outside, but, I mean, there are presuppositions you need to uphold if you want to have friends. You need to hear what they're saying... Bars are way too hard to actually like audibly intake things. I mean, it depends on what kind of bars you're talking yeah. about. I'm talking greasy, greasy right, okay. dive bars. The ones yeah, those, that those just get people... annoying after a while. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the one. That's that like most... a lot of good bars. Too. I mean, that's the one that most underage people are at. Well, you know, oh, they're going totally. out to I'm the bar. I'm not talking pubs. I'm not talking like sitting down with four guys yeah. in a little booth. I'm talking inst, inst, inst. lights flashing. Short skirts. There's some crossovers. I mean, there's some bars that there's dancing, there's live music, but it's not so bloody loud that you can't hear anyone. And yeah. there's bars, they're almost clubs. And then there's clubs are a whole other category. Yeah. Are much different, but, yeah. Which I'd say it's, you know, they're not necessarily, like, evil. You should never go to them, but just go with the right expectations. You're probably not going to, you know, make a bunch of genuine friends at a club. You might go there with genuine friends and have a good time dancing, but, you know, it's what you're seeking. And when you're going out, it's, you know, these greasy bars like you're talking about. And, like, 
after a month, you're all distraught because you don't have any true friends. Well, you got to look at what you're doing. Exactly. You know, where are you yeah. finding yourself? If you're going with friends, that's a different story. Right. And you, every once in a while, I'll meet someone really cool when I'm out at a bar. And not everyone is, is uh, I mean, I'm there and I'm, I think I'm a pretty good guy. Yeah. Well, you're on the podcast. I mean, you qualify, stories. right? <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I mean, I think um, you have to. I don't think that's where you go. It's not your first choice. You might be there with your friends hanging out and maybe you'll meet someone that's cool, but I don't think that's the purpose of going there necessarily. What are Unless you're in, a new, and you're, in a, you're in a new town or something like that. Yeah, you know, that's like true. You get to know the locals here. Then totally. again, like we haven't graduated college, but once you graduate, the community just pretty much disintegrates, and then you have to really find people with whom you share a lot with. And if you're an extroverted person, temperamentally, or you're really open to experience, all these kinds of personality traits what happens Joe because I would say you're pretty extroverted yeah and being a missionary I was around people a lot even though I wasn't in college anymore um and where were you a missionary uh University of Minnesota okay and so it's just their last name even though they weren't like my confidants they were there were still people and they were great people and um I think it's I hate to use the word intentional um mm. but I, there's certain people I'll call up on a weekly basis. You have to just like, okay, let's do dinner, uh, or let's go get beers, let's go shoot shit, or <laughs> just whatever. You know, just like you have to, you can't just assume that like, oh, I'm going to the library. I'm definitely going to see three of my buddies. You know, because we go to the same small private college. Exactly, which is the case at St. Thomas. But speaking into that just a tiny bit, this Sunday, shout out to Cuba Bercy and Zach Galante. We tried a um, three-way call on the phone. It was really fun. You guys should try them. <laughs> I'm just advocating just three ways, but these two guys are part of the cohort with whom I developed probably the deepest friendships I've ever had in Rome. It's because we just chased after Christ together. We really shared life to the fullest and uh, heights and depths of human emotion together. And I think that is why we're so, if we're going to use this, daunting word intentional it's because like i would go out of my way to just talk to even these guys and i know jake you were just in rome and yeah express the same sentiments definitely i mean it sounds like you guys were saying it's to develop these friendships takes effort you oh know? yeah um and sacrifice but yeah i mean in rome the setting was perfect we're all living together um we're all you know striving after the same things um which helps a lot um, and just going through challenges, I think that's another one. So we have effort, but also um, being able to go through the struggles together, like you said with Joel. And sometimes when you're living in the same environment and you know have the same goals, whether that's to you know you're taking the same courses or um, pursuing holiness together, whatever that is, you're likely to stick with each other. Um, and I think that's just the beauty in uh, friendships, you know, centered around Christ, right? I'm not saying you can't have secular friends or anything of that nature, but um, if you guys are both set on Christ, then you're going to pursue that together. And uh, you'll be more likely to stick together as opposed to being centered around beer. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah, totally. That makes sense. And even if you are trying to develop a relationship with a guy who you know is like a pretty staunch atheist, what it comes down to is, well, how do we encounter Christ in ourselves? It's in our own hearts. So if you just get to know this dude on a really deep level, those share the joys you're compassionate in the sufferings. Um, that's just how you do it. Boom. All right.
recover friendship from Joel, you're a magnanimous guy. What can you say about greatness? Yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know if I see myself as a magnanimous guy. So humble. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. wow. I think sometimes we're our own worst critic, but I think we also want authenticity in... Um, there's certain people that I know that I'm like, that guy is definitely magnanimous. And then when I measure, when I look at myself next to him, it's like, yeah, you get a long ways to go, buddy. Mm. Um, and so I think... Um, you know, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I mean, I think what you're kind of getting at is like, you know, still staying on that friendship. Um, I think that's just a really important factor of relationships right there is like, he's calling you on to become greater. You know what I mean? You're not hanging out with the, the slouse of this world. You're you're the one slouse. I think I just made that word what? up. I was going to say. I think, French I don't even think that's a word. Like French word. <laughs> Yeah. But, some French cheese or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> take this Monster. But, um, you know, I think that's another key element of friendship, you know, is being friends with someone who's going to call you on. You can be a better yeah. person. And it's got nothing to do with age, really. And I'm curious as to who you see yourself, I don't know, not really comparing yourself with Joel, but I, would, I, I, say, I would say I see greatness in you because if you're not, to describe the set like greatness in the soul is not being satisfied with earthly things it's not being satisfied with even like cool gifts that god gives you it's just the desire you've seen these saints like john of the cross or um saint ignatius this one time ignatius asked his other i think it was like a dozen or 14 founders of the society of jesus he said would you die right now and go see our lord if you could and they're all Unanimous, like, yeah, I would love to see Jesus Christ. And like, what about you, Ignatius? And he says, nope, I want more time left on earth to give glory to God. And that yeah. leads right into their motto, ad majorum. I do not know the Jesuits well, but it's all about performing. Ooh, let me hold up. Some guy told me two points. He said, if you want to do great things for God's praise, that's good. And if you want to do great things for others to praise God through that, that's equally as good. So if you're trying to build a beautiful church for people to go in and to sing the praises of our Lord, that's that's greatness. But if you're also trying to have a great family or be great in your studies so that, you know, you perform well for God. I don't know. There's just something about the appeal of a guy's heart. I don't know if I can make the distinction between men and women, but I really think. Are you saying women don't desire greatness? No. <laughs> I don't know women's hearts yet. When I do, I'll make a podcast on it. It's going to be When great. you do, write a book and share it with us. <laughs> it's quite the achievement. Thank you. Three week long podcast. <laughs> we don't sleep. The most mysterious creature in the world. Dogs? I'm not sure when you're going to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with greatness, and um, I guess it's tricky for me because I think it's easy. Uh, human nature is flawed, and so it's easy to seek your own greatness. Mm-hmm. When you get all religious and stuff, it's like you don't know whether or not you're seeking your own greatness or God's. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's really, if you get, you know, um, I don't know, when you go to the seminary, I guess, when you meet all these guys that are trying to be priests, and you start to get really spiritual. 
and it's like the then you wonder am I serving am I am I like in some way serving my own as a spiritual hedonism in a sense of like am I I think it's you know um, I think men deeply desire greatness and meaning and I think it you know it's tricky because you can't you don't want to become a, a hedonist in that sense like just you're all about your own yeah. goals and your own ends it's not a following of Christ easy at all so um, I think God puts legitimate passions and desires in us and when we pursue those um, he kind of makes us great and it's not really us who's doing it you know um, C.S. Lewis described heaven as you know won't we, we won't we be uh, self-conscious in fact we won't really even be thinking about ourselves at all I think that's for me. I guess greatness in the sense of um, can you can you divert attention towards God and not at yourself? Um, and so there's some people that are like the lowest of the low in a societal way, janitors or whatever what you have it. And there's some of the greatest people I know. And I experience God through them sometimes more than through like really religious people. Mm-hmm. You can just see it. They're so in love with God. And when when, you, when they they're like the people that they would actually die for God. Yeah. <laughs> you're around them, you're like, you know it's you know it's true for this guy. So right. and humility, you know, that's what they have. <clears throat> humility uh, is what the devil fears the most, and it's also what breeds greatness, true greatness. I think you hit on it some good points there, Joel, in the sense that when we're coming into the spiritual life, oftentimes we you know get this pride to us because you know. All of a sudden, we have this relationship with Jesus, and we feel great, and it's all about you know, our feelings in a lot of ways. And um, look at me, I'm so holy, you know, I'm not getting blackout drunk anymore, but you are still, like, right. woe to you. And that's like a prideful greatness, that's not like Jesus, you know? And then as, hopefully, as we mature, or, you know, go through life and get humbled, we realize that that's not what faith is about. Where you were, I mean, like... You're a seminarian. Everyone treats you like you're Jesus almost. And you think, oh, I'm so heroic. I'm not dating anyone. I'm going to give up girls for the rest of my life. And it's like, you know, it's like easy to, um, that mindset can easily infect you. And it's like, yeah, you're not that special. And it's hard not to let that get to your head. You know, people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so impressive. Like, how old are you, 19? 19, you're doing that? Yeah. You know, and it's. It's, 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 it's such BS too. It's like, like you're gonna make yourself holy. Yeah, right, dude. You know. Yeah. Like it's just kind of um, anything. I think. I think you talk about humility. It's just recognizing like anything I ever do do. It's it's gonna be God doing it. Yeah. And it's not gonna be me and my great self. You know. I'm not gonna be the, the Tom Brady of the Catholic Church or anything like that. <laughs> no, but in a certain aspect, human freedom. Like you need to choose that cooperation. Go back to your point, Jake. Modern day Pharisees are so dangerous. I, I'm one, and it's like every day is a struggle not to be. For sure. And Joel, you you strike me as also like very mystic. I don't know. You're just not a Pharisee. Can you talk more on how you've encountered that in the seminary, maybe outside? What you do to put up kind of bulwarks against seeing yourself in a prideful manner like we're just talking about here how do you not be a Pharisee in this day and age yeah I don't, that's a good question 
I think I've definitely been a Pharisee before. Yeah. Um, when I was a missionary, for sure, I remember going in and thinking, hey, this needs to change, this needs to change, this needs to change. All these rules. And do this. It was like, I needed to change, mm-hmm. really. And um, I think it took being around, getting a, well, I, I went to, a, I had a spiritual director for a couple of years that was absolutely phenomenal and one of the biggest influences in my, in my life. And I think he, he had such a subtle way of directing me away from pride. It was like, it was all, I think that would be a, a big thing is, I don't know, how do you find someone like that? I guess hopefully you have friends that call you out. Um, and so I think another thing is like legitimate prayer. I mean, spending time with God and not, not like religious time necessarily, but like prayer, what that brings life. Like, you know, um, I don't, I'm, I'm definitely not a mystic, but when I do read some of the stuff from John of the Cross or some of these Catholic mystics, there, there is a desire that comes up of like, I, I want to experience that. You know, mm-hmm. they had a, they had encounters with God that were so profound that they had zero desire for anything worldly. Mm-hmm. The world was completely dead to those guys because they, they experienced something so much better. It's like, why would you go and play in your sandbox when you're 23 and, and can drive, ride a dirt bike? You know, well, that's why John of the Cross didn't want to hook up with girls and go out to bars and get hammered because he experienced something way better than, than, than that. You know, and I think that would be a, as far as the mystic stuff is, it's more of a desire to know God, the true God, and knowing that like He's way better than you think He is. How, uh, do you have any practicals for like being able to dive deeper into prayer in that sense? I mean, I'm, no, the I'm no spiritual well, what, master. What kind of prayers give you life? The church has yeah. so many things to offer with prayer. It's more finding the one that kind of works for you. Yeah. I think. I mean, there's like the saint for everything, you know? Yeah. Um, Just buddy up with that guy. I remember the buddy systems like eighth grade, kindergartners. Yeah. That's just. Find a saint, buddy. Who's yours? Yes. Uh, for me, I'd say the classic Saint Pope John Paul II. Mm. Um, and the more I learn about him, just the cooler he gets. Like, do you know he snuck out of the Vatican like fifty times, like on record? Oh yeah. You eaters. Where was that? Must we, not be very at, sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It's just like. Arch, or, um, not Archbishop Schlag, Monsignor Schlag. You're making up that name. <laughs> Schlag. Yeah, he would tell us a story. He went to the, shout out to Monsignor. He's going to be here tonight, but he's got dinner. So next podcast, we'll get him. So we had Joel instead. Joel was our backup plan. No, so. I, I got both. The Lord shows. Just kidding, Joel did. Kidding. But he would say, Schlag knew this priest who like was working with JP2. And JP2 gets so fed up with the city and the curia that he would want to leave and go to the countryside because he, you know, he's a big skier, big mountaineer, super outdoorsy. But of course, the Romans wouldn't do it without their pomp and circumstance. So he, what was it like? The one night they got a station wagon and like put him underneath a tarp in the yeah, back. That was the first time. Oh yeah. And then the Italian police caught him, and they're like, "Look, <laughs> we can't have you do this. Like, this will be." The, you know, the end of the world if you get, like, kidnapped and killed and stuff. And, um, but they go, we're not going to stop you. We know you're going to keep doing this. So we're going to help you sneak <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. I could totally see the Italians yelling at the Pope, stop doing this. <laughs> I wonder why I just didn't get a mustache or something. Put that on. <laughs> Shut up. She's a giant. <laughs> this Polish dude. Hello. <laughs> How about you? Who's your saint, buddy? 
I don't know. I mean, growing up, the Saints were so sterile to me. It was it was kind of um, they were so boring. Mm-hmm. Not because they're actually boring, but because the way they were presented was like, here's this really pious guy who's really good at praying, and it's like he died. Yeah, that's the last thing you want to hear. It's like he had no friends. Yeah, exactly. Love that guy. guy's life sucked. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, then I remember reading about John Vianney, who was mm. a patron saint of parish priest, and um, the guy got attacked by demons all the time. He could read souls and confession. And I was like, that's freaking cool, you know? Mm. And I was like, imagine if I could do something like that. Not like I still want to, but it was more, there was some. There was a real adventure there. There was mm. something that was um, beyond this world. You know, the, the guy was so in love with God. I mean, it was, the guy was crazy in love with God. He was an idiot in an academic sense, and he still made it through seminary. But there's just miracles around his life everywhere. And I, and I think I got enough of a taste of that as a kid. Like, that kind of turned me on. That, then I was like, oh, wait, maybe some of these saints are cool. You know, or they lived a tra- Maybe they actually lived attractive lives. They didn't just sit in a convent and act really pious all the time. You know? I think that's why, like, blessed, he's not a saint yet, but uh, Pierre Georgie Frasati, you know. I think that's why it's so appealing because he hiked mountains and smoked a pipe and like yeah, um, cool and relatable. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Well, I've said this once or twice before, but I identify a lot with the characteristics of Saint John the Evangelist, and in some ways the Baptist. You know, when I get in my camel skin kind of <laughs> moods, but I think just the solitary walk with Christ that John had. And the uh, the masculine receptivity that was forced upon him, you know, like he's sitting there right by Mary. Both are together. Both are the models of receptivity, the models of how to be. You know, you have mother and virgin with Christ right at the foot of the cross. So he's a great person to go to in times of suffering, I think. Most Johns, I mean, we have the greatest name. I hate to break it to you guys. But also, St. Thomas More is a badass, hilarious. By worldly standards, he's a genius. By worldly standards, he achieved so much. But also, like this guy is such an edification for lay men and lay women, too. Like, what is his saying? It's, I will serve the king, but I serve my God first. Yeah. And he's making jokes about dying as he's being led to execution. He's writing about the mysteries of Jesus Christ while he's in his prison cell. There's just something, like you're saying, Joel, an attractive adventure to that. It's something not even human. There's, there's like, there's no way this guy lives this kind of life if there's no God. And if God isn't, isn't like, deeply involved in his life. Exactly. It's, it's impossible. Hmm. And... I think sometimes you can't, I can't explain what a desire for God is, but when you encounter people like that, you start to desire God. And I think, you know, certain people that have been in my life, they're pretty rare, but when you do meet them, you come away with this desire to know God more. You know, like something's probably pretty holy about that person. And I think, um, I think that, you know, what the, you would say the devil would try to do is, I think he does this a lot of people, you try to get them to think that holiness is boring and sterile, and the real people having fun are like the celebrities and the famous athletes and, you know, all those people and it promises the world. It's like all the evidence says the opposite. And yet 
something in our heart still wants to believe that these people who admit, like, yeah, you know, when I won the Super Bowl, I was the emptiest moment of my life. Mm. Wow. Um, Are you quoting someone? I think uh, I think Emmett, is it Emmett Smith said that the loneliest moment of his life was the night he won the Super Bowl. Oh, Look it up. I don't I'm Interesting. Not, I think it was Emmett. Kind of it's one of those big-time athletes. Uh, Craig Caperso, who <clears throat> it would be a godsend to have that dude on a podcast. But he would probably do it for really honestly. Mind the... Craig Perso is an IFBB, that is International Federation of Bodybuilding Pro. He currently lives in Tennessee, I think. He was a okay. So this is this dude's like life trajectory. East Coast school, went straight to Wall Street. Worked as a, what do they call stockbroker? Stockbroker on Wall Street. He was training for his bodybuilding, and he was also boxing. This dude was like a maniac. Hit it big in the bodybuilding scene. Started making his own companies. Super entrepreneurial. This guy, I had the chance to meet him in Rome. We've kind of kept up relationships since. But he was telling me, and this is before like we really got into the Christian talk, because he's a good Christian too. He was saying most bodybuilders at the top, because that's his industry, are just super empty. Most are depressed and super anxious. He dropped some names that like are big YouTubers. Names of guys you like, you would recognize their faces and how they act. He's like, yeah, they're so empty on the inside just because you're up top. And that's why they keep going. They keep wanting more and more and more. Because they're looking for what satisfies. You know? And they're missing the mark because they're not centered properly. Yeah. You know? Oh, the other person I wanted to say, um, going back to just, I don't know, he's an inspiration. He's not a saint by any means, but Michelangelo, he was a pained soul but this dude loved like he craved god so much you know everybody nowadays can speculate about his homosexuality about his piety they can speculate about how moral he actually was but like reading his poetry he was an exquisite poet he was the best poet of his age it's just that he's such a good artist that he's he made the pay top 23. holy crap that yeah like you're saying to have that touch of beauty is not ordinary. It's supernatural. Like, And you see the Pieta and you say, okay, a human being made this. I want what he wants. I think that's what drew us initially to these saints who pulled us out of our paths in life. It's like, I want exactly what that guy or that girl wanted. I don't want to live that way. It's just like precisely, but I want something. In the, I want what he wants. And I think you have to... It's easy to say all this stuff and think it in your head. I think you have to encounter it in your experience before it'll change your life. He said, I know being famous won't make me happy, but somewhere in every one of our hearts, there's probably some desire to like be the man in whatever thing you're doing. It's sure. be the best of it. You know, and we know in our mind that that's going to make us it's empty. And it's not that it's wrong to do it or anything, but um, so many people who, who make that their ultimate goal are empty. And I think you have to encounter God in a way that he does satisfy you. Mm, that's true. Where you, you do have these times when you're mm. at peace and there's nothing you desire yeah. um, except for more of God. I think, I think it's this, these are nice things to talk about. But go, to the, go to the Adoration Chapel or go somewhere and pray and say, God, I want to encounter this. Not like, oh, cool, you know. I know this intellectually. Now I'm going to move on to something else, and, and I'm going to keep trying to be the best football player. 
you know. And once again, that's great if you want to do that. And I'm not, don't make that your God. Don't make that everything because it'll let you down for sure. You know, and I think it's, once again, it's important to actually try to experience these things by spending time with God in prayer. It doesn't have to be adoration. It can be yeah, just walking with Christ. I remember what drew me initially was actually charismatic adoration back in the freshman retreat three years ago, which I'm going back mm. on this weekend. That's where I met you. That's where we met you. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing, uh, I think it was like Mafia on the Bus, and oh, yeah, all the like homeschool kids were yelling at each I'm other. And dominating too. And, <laughs> and I looked over at you, Jake, and I think we made eye contact like, yeah, we're going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> we were, were both like, yeah. <laughs> your eyes were just, you were crammed in the corner, just kind of taking it like, yeah, yeah. We're not now. feeling this mafia game. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, then I think you know, coming kind of coming full circle here about friendship. We've talked about a lot of different things, but I think they're all kind of connected. Um, coming back to full circle, we really established on a relationship um, after that in the weight room. You know, yeah. We found each other there, and um, you know, not all like true friendships you make in church. You know. Not all of them are, you know, doing a small group activity for the local parish, but uh, we just got to know each other, you know, and uh, just blossomed from there. And right. then I think where the friendship really deepened is when we just started to like open up about our lives and our faith. And um, yeah, but it's cool how these things start somewhere and then they develop. I exactly agree. God planted the seeds at this time where we were generous enough to give Him a weekend. And look what he's given us. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he we planted the seeds and then it grew with discipline because we were both seeking something greater. Sure. It grew in compagnos. We broke bread. Remember just being at dinners together. Like these situations you put yourself in, they are more conducive to giving you life, right? Like eating with people. That's the point. Sharing bread with other human beings is like one of the most primal and, I don't know, appropriate behaviors, like psychologically and sociologically speaking, but also like God works that to his advantage in his, I don't know, enormous plan of salvation. Mm. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And then we continue to encounter each other in, I don't know, what are these other areas where you, where you would say you find friendship to prosper? I mean, common goals you were saying, you know, obviously they talk about guys that go to combat together, um, usually have really deep friendships, mm-hmm. probably really good friendships. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's a downside of living in a culture that's so, uh, we're so comfortable. It's like, where do you go to war? Besides going to real war, and not that all of us should go to war, but I think there's some really good things that are side effects of maybe of that, but um, I think when a guy has to stare death in the face with a bunch of other guys, that friendship is a lot deeper. So I think fighting for things that are, you know, um, going after the same goal. I know a guy, it's like my my roommate's really into lifting and Olympic lifting, and he's close with a lot of the guys he lifts with. They think a lot of different things. 
on the beliefs spectrum. He's a super Catholic guy, but um, they're still really close. And I, and I think he has some authentic friendships with those men. Yeah. And they're going up to the same thing. That's awesome. I think you make a good point. Like, we're not willing to go to war. And it just makes me think of, like, you know, the guys dating a girl and they got in a fight. And, you know, he just goes on Tinder that night and just finds someone else to hook up with or something like that, you know, as opposed sure. to, like, I'm going to, you know, make this work or I'm going to address the issue because we want comfort and we have so many outs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, whatever it is you're doing, uh, you're feeling stressed, I'm just going to go to the local store and buy a six-pack and just binge drink that, you know, as opposed to, like, no, I'm going to deal with this issue. And so, like, combat, it's like you're not going to be able to run away. You're over in, you know, the Middle East. You can't just go home. Can't so we're going to focus, we're going to work together, achieve this goal, strive towards that goal. Can't be a deserter. Um, was it Pope Benedict who said, you were not made for comfort, you were made for greatness? And yeah. yeah, it's just like comfort is the enemy of achievement. Comfort is the enemy of greatness. And a mentor of mine, Nick Prill, has offered so much in wisdom, so much in practicality. He's actually serving with Net Ministries right now, a traveling team crazy, crazy bastard. I would never do that, but God bless him. He, every day, takes freezing showers because he's like, well, it's an opportunity for comfort or for greatness. Hmm. Well, I don't think of freezing myself and going back in the Minnesota Arctic chill as greatness, but in a certain way, I really think cold showers, that's a, that's a key. And there's some studies last year that we looked into it. It increases testosterone. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> Come on, you might be right, but you might not be right. I might not be. There's other studies. It's correlated, but I think it. it Feel it, free to fact check us. Yeah, yeah definitely fact check us. Don't believe I'm um, here. You know all of all of what we're saying. You know, that's your responsibility. <laughs> but I think I think though the the benefit of cold showers is just you know if you don't mortify yourself, you get soft. If you get soft, you like it's you become weak. And God didn't make you to become weak. And if you want to ever be able to... One of the things I've realized is, like, being able to love is not... You can't just wake up and be good at loving. Like, if you're not disciplined and not good at going through hardship, if you're a father, uh, that loving your kids when they're screaming at you and you want to punch them in the face, it's 3 a.m., is, like, that takes virtue. And that takes, like, a willingness to suffer. And... If you're soft, you're not going to be able to do that, and you're going to neglect your kids. You're not going to love your wife very well. And then you fall into what Jake was saying. You go to the clearest dopaminergic outlet, which is alcohol. Like or pornography. Porn. Yeah. yeah. Or worse, your secretary. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, so I think part of the thing of, of uh, cold showers or whether it's doing hard work, like when you go to work out, like working out in a way that like actually sucks mm-hmm. is kind of like, for me, I guess, motivation is like, I, I want to be able to love effectively and actually be the man that people think I am. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I think at some point, you know that it's going to be demanded of you. It's going to be like, when you're a single dude and you live in America, you have it so easy. Greatest nation on earth. Yeah, but... You, you know, take advantage of that and, and do some things that are hard for you and, and learn to, like, discipline. I, I should, I've got to preach this to myself because I don't live it out all the time. So I'm, I'm not the perfect example by any means. But I think it's, it's like, 
what would scare me would be like, man, imagine if my kids got to the point where they didn't think that their father loved them that much because he was never willing to sacrifice for them. Mm -hmm. Or he just got angry whenever they annoyed him. You know, we've all seen examples of those types of people. We've, we've known men that have had affairs. We've known yeah. men that, you know, their wife walks into them looking at porn. Yeah. It's like, man, that would that mess up a marriage? Or, you know, Can you imagine? Like, what am I not good <clears throat> enough? Or just even the hurt that must have on both sides. Yeah. I would say. And a lot of guys struggle with that now. And I think it's important at the same time we say all these things to like, God's not giving up on you either. Like you have, you know, you can definitely change. And if you're, you know, you might have just looked at porn five minutes ago, but God is willing to work with you and to help you be strong, and, and you'll become strong in His strength, not in your own merit. And so it's not like a shame on all those people that sin. It's like mm -hmm. no, uh, He's glorified yeah. by our weakness. Yep. yep. And I think, um, yeah, especially condemnation. Like, if there's anything I've learned from reading Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago, it's like if you put yourself in someone's shoes in a high stress situation, mm. if you put yourself in the shoes of a guy, got a lot of shit at work, gets frail relationship with his wife, maybe his kids, he's not connecting with them. Who, who's to say? I would, I John wouldn't screw up in his position too. You know, put yourself in the position of a not like a German citizen in the 1940s. Mm. Who's to say I wouldn't over time develop ideological ties to the Nazi party. Who's to say if I'm working in Russia, I wouldn't have joined the Soviets or at least given up on my own credibility and authenticity. It's like... Yeah, the overwhelming majority of people, according to some of these guys, like Solzhenitsyn, he thinks most people would. Who, oh, who's gosh. to say I wouldn't be a bishop that out of cowardice covers up an, uh, an abuse exactly. case? That is a perfect yeah. you know, yeah. present day uh, relationship. And I think that was one of uh, Dostoevsky's great criticisms too and it's not just his but it's Nietzsche's it's like why did God it's it's a huge argument for atheism it's why did God uh, create human beings so weak that we can't even uphold like one commandment why did he create the Beatitudes so high up in the sky you know you're supposed to love you're supposed to be pure in heart you're supposed to be poor in spirit when you look in your own one daily's worth of like actions and you say okay I was the exact opposite there 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 and mm. I can't even get into the Beatitudes right now but well thank God for grace and mercy that's exactly right yeah. who was it it was um, John Henry Newman they saw some guys going to the gallows and his friend leans over to him and says look at those scum they deserve exactly what they got and he says if not by the grace of God there go I if, if God grace was not sustaining bringing me about and continuing me in this path I would be exactly right right there next to him we were all over the place guys. we were but I think it's good stuff you know and a lot of this stuff ties together totally so hopefully our audience will agree with that if not well Joel had some nuggets of wisdom anyways so maybe maybe, maybe. it's all about friendship Finding the best places to be friends with people. Yep. What else we talk about? Greatness. Greatness. The saints. Leaders. Huh. Man, what day is it? <laughs> it's Thursday. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel prepared for school for once in my life. At the same time, 
time is. Like it's never been this quick. The days have never flown by. Yeah, as you get older. Yeah. I remember my mom saying that. Like, when you get older, time's gonna fly, and you're like, yeah, right. Get out of here, it lady. Yeah, it really does. Thank God we're sharing it together. Amen. Well, thank you for listening and um, signing off here once again. This is Jacob. John. We got Joel here. Today.